0: This is the Powered by Rock Podcast with your host, Isaac Kuhlman. You're about to discover the most entertaining rock music podcast on the planet, filled with the best stories straight from rock musicians from all over the world. Rock music isn't dead. It's getting better and better. It's time to start paying attention again. With that said, let's get this party started.
1: The mountain's gonna rise and fall by me.
0: Hello and welcome to the Power by Rock podcast. We're only speaking with Julian Robert of the Richmond, Virginia alt punk hardcore band Sleeve today. They have a brand new EP called "All These Songs Are About You" that just came out at the end of October. Which, we're actually, it's coming out tomorrow, from what mm-hmm. we're we're standing. But we're going to be speaking to you in the future, so it's already out, and it's out. It's coming out via Engineer Records in the UK and Sell the Heart Records in the US. Some of the two best labels out there. I know uh, both actually both of these labels quite well. And it's a four-song roller coaster ride and marks their first new music since 2019. I guess these guys have just been taking a long nap for the last couple of years, but that's okay, they're back. I actually came upon you guys via me playing music videos on YouTube and the videos just kept coming up after like other things. And I was like, well, I think at first I might've skipped a couple because I just stopped it or whatever because I'm like, oh, I'm done playing with my playlist or whatever. But then Mm -hmm. eventually I I started to like listen to this because it just kept coming up. And I was like, all right, let me see what it is. And I immediately had a post about it because I was like, holy shit, who are these guys? This this band's sleeve is amazing. How have I not known about them? And I think it was the video for Swept when I first saw that. I was like, yep, this is oh, cool. this is an incredible video. So, you know, then I watched all the other videos. I watched the, the live video and all that stuff. They, uh, I can't remember which one that one's for, but they're, they're all phenomenal. So the band has yeah. grown over the years to the point that they toured Canada and even India, which is something I don't think a lot of people can say. And they're in the process of putting out more music in the near future, so keep your eyes open for all the goodness that your ears will enjoy soon. But hey, Julian, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, hey, thank you for having me, and uh, thanks for the introduction. That was uh, yeah. That was I try awesome. to
0: I try to do a little bit of research and not just be like, hey, here's a guy from a band, and uh, know, yeah. I hear the band's pretty good, but I never really listened to him or anything. <laughs> but uh-huh.
1: yeah. Wait, that, yeah, that would have been a fair assessment of us too,
0: <laughs> But yeah, I think that's one of the things that I immediately once I actually sat like through because usually what i'll do is i'll put like on videos when i'm cooking breakfast or something and and sure yeah. whatever plays plays but sometimes i won't hear it and then i'll like, come back again and i'll be like oh well now here it is but literally i posted it i remember because then you were like oh yeah thanks like or one of you guys was like thanks for like the mention or whatever and reached out like mm-hmm. after i posted about you guys and i was like that's cool and then you actually reached out about being on the podcast which that's why kind of we're here today so i'm happy yeah. to talk to you i think the music's freaking awesome so Thank you for Thank you, being man.
1: here. I really appreciate that. Oh, of course. And uh, hello from the past, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: um, EP is coming out tomorrow. But uh, yeah, you know that um, that nap that you mentioned is kind of interesting. You know, we uh, we put out the first album, and um, you know, without sounding that's uh, a word for it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to sound silly, but we really didn't expect anything from it. Um, and uh, yeah, the album did way better than we ever thought it would and we were just kind of shocked at the reception that we got with it so we had some really wonderful opportunities but uh we weren't planning on taking a four-year nap but uh here we are so yeah so it feels good to wake up and it feels good to start putting music out again
0: yeah and that's kind of one of the things that like when when we talk about your music i even asked you beforehand because you know i kind of consider along the maybe like a, a emo slash hardcore sound. And when I asked you, like, mm-hmm. do you guys have like a genre you're looking at? Like, you know, I, you know, I even wrote on the bottom of this thing, it's like alternative punk hardcore. And and that was based on just the conversation we had before. Cause you're like, yeah, it's like alternative, but like then punk and then kind of like post hardcore. And I'm like, all those yeah. fit, they all, I can hear influences from all of them. Um, so like, I think that there's just like this, you know this raw energy that you guys have, at least from what, all the songs that I've heard, and I have heard the new EP. I got a sneak preview of it before it came out, and there's just like these this, these moments of like pure raw energy that fit very well with like a hardcore scene. But then you have like these intricate um, breakdowns or like slow parts that don't necessarily fit in the hardcore thing, even though some of them um, some hardcore bands will mix that in. But it's more like a the yeah. alternative rock, then comes the hardcore. So. I do get a lot mm. of that, and obviously, hardcore is based in punk, and, and punk kind of transcends sure. a lot of other genres as well. But um, you know, all, you know, Nirvana was famously a punk band. Essentially, that just became an alternative grunge band, right? So, yeah, um, sure. Do you have like any sort of like kind of approach to the writing of the songs, and do you have to like try to rein things in to kind of keep it at what you want, or was it kind of like you said, you don't really know what to expect and you just write what sounds good?
1: yeah I think that's it. Um we all come from very different backgrounds, different influences musically um, you know, Charlie comes from a background where his favorite childhood band was um Blue Oyster Colt, for example
0: <laughs> blue Easter
1: Colt wait no jethro toll that's it okay oh, yeah. yeah
0: that makes that makes uh, sense yeah. as you say Blue Oyster Colt had a than. couple of hits, but jethro toll yeah
1: yeah, Jethro toll was a huge influence on him as a child, and you know that led into so many other things um for my part, I came from a uh, a dad who was um from France originally. So he was into like all the kind of British, new wavey bands. I grew sure. up listening to New Order, Joy Division, the Cure, stuff like that. My mom was into classic rock, So we all just kind of brought our own influences into the project. And yeah, when we're writing, it's more just whatever sounds good. And, uh, you know, we've we've been playing for maybe seven years now. So I think we just kind of naturally have a sleeve sound that's hard to define, which is yeah. great. You know, um, when we chat with people, oftentimes they're like, oh, you remind me of this band. It's a band I've never heard of or a band that I would never associate with us, but yeah. I think um, what I would kind of define our music as, it's just very emotive, you know, that's that's what interests me a lot when writing music and when listening to music, frankly, it's making things that are incredibly emotive, and I think if it can touch a chord in people emotionally, then, you know, they kind of relate it to whatever other band does that for them too, and that's uh, always a nice thing to hear.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, I would definitely not classify as a clash between yeah. the Cure and Jethro oh, Troll if anybody uh, uh, saw
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. Um, we, uh, last, uh, last Halloween, we covered a Cure song, one of my favorites, uh, uh, just like Kevin. I remember my dad forcing me and my little brother to sing it in the bathtub when we were kids. Uh, really, really young kids. Sing
0: it from the start. Get the harmonies right. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. And he still does it sometimes. I'll go over there and he'll pull out the guitar and he's like, yeah. Oh, just like heaven, I'm like no, I don't want to fucking sing the song, <laughs> but um, we covered it last Halloween, and you know, just I kind of fell in love with the song again. And on the new record, um, in escrow, that opening um, guitar, like lead guitar part, the lick, is very inspired by Just Like Heaven and that kind of like era of uh, the Cure, the Cure guitar. So yeah, yeah, the influence is making its way into the band slowly but surely.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's ton of like uh again like just like for that whole last album i mean that last album m- might honestly be one of my favorite albums of like the last 10 years it's so good like, oh, well, like every song you. is is freaking awesome but it's kind obviously of all over
1: the place.
0: yeah but i mean again when you're just like uh, kind of an emerging band that's the glorious part about it there's nothing saying like mm-hmm. you have to sound like this right like you can put out whatever the hell you want and be like this for is sure. us like what are you going to do about it like this is the music. We well, make. And the,
1: the hope is the hope is that you can maintain that, you know, that you don't let the expectations of others kind of define who you are as a musician or what you're writing. Yeah. You know, I think we can get too caught up in what other people think about us instead of just yeah. doing the thing that actually resonates with us deeply in the first place. Yeah,
0: it always reminds me of Sugar Ray. And I, I'm probably a little I've got to assume I'm 10 years older than you, at least. But when Sugar Ray first released their album, they were like a speed metal band. But then they, they recorded that song fly which was like an absolute mm. like california mellow like surf chill vibe and then every mm. song and every album after that was uh, like that instead of the spe- speed metal band that they were before and everybody's like what the hell yeah so yeah that's you don't want to just like transform your band because of like one thing or what once somebody has like an idea of what you are but yeah that's mm-hmm. that's the idea is that you can keep making the music you want and then that happens to just become the thing that you're known for instead
1: for sure and it ha- it has to be a very conscious thing you know after we put out the first record and when, when we saw how well the single homebound did, you know, that was the thing that I think really yep. just broke in a lot of other places, you know, there's this, like, almost an expectation or a pressure to, like, start writing homebound again, like, let's see how many homebounds we can write to, you know, keep the yeah. fans engaged. And it, it's something that I think we all just have to very consciously resist because, you know, the, the draw of, you know, popularity is something that can affect anyone and unless you're, like, conscious of the fact that that thing has a hook in you and is pulling you it's harder to resist yeah. it and do what, what you actually want to do right
0: yeah and then social media is just like a, a a driving uh tool that says just keep pumping out the same thing that works and it's like no i don't want to yep. keep doing that like <laughs> i For
1: don't sure. want everything yeah. to
0: be you know one homogenous sound i want it to actually be different 100%. And Have fun yeah
1: yeah but i mean that's kind of the interesting thing about playing in a band now too right it's there's this draw from social media that can you know enable you to be a diy band that does things on your own terms and reaches an audience you never would have reached 20 30 40 years ago right or it can become this thing that defines you and forces you into a box that ends up making you hate what you're doing right
0: exactly yeah and it'll do both at some point i'm sure and then you have to be like i'm gonna break the box (laughs) i'm gonna get off social (laughs) media whatever (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh man i dream about the day hopefully sleep gets to a point where we have enough of a fan base where i can say all right by social media we're just yeah. gonna be a band now you know yeah but exactly let's we'll see if that day ever comes
0: that would be awesome um so mm-hmm. as far as the actual writing process goes now i know like you and charlie have been kind of in this band together for a while obviously you guys kind of started it uh and then bringing you know the lineups changed over a couple of years you've had a, 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 a i think you had an original bass and then you have a new bassist and now you have another guitar player but do you guys go into the songs writing them together? Does somebody like put some of the the the, the base stuff down, or do you guys actually collaborate on everything from the start?
1: Yeah. Um, so generally speaking, it's been Charlie and me who's written pretty much everything. Just us too. Um, the first album was certainly that way, and our bassist at the time, Sam, uh, was involved, but a lot of it was charlie and i getting into the practice space early or going separately and kind of writing some of these songs with the ep i think it was the first time that from the jump we all got together at the beginning and started recording so with our new guitarist uh, olivier from the start we started hearing lead riffs and that kind of you know drove the sound in the direction we had not explored before but yeah for the first album i'd say it was mostly charlie and me um at the beginning and we brought sam in and then the uh, second album, which is coming out in 2024, um, we wrote it the same way, but then we ended up renting a cabin for three or four days up in the mountains of sure. Virginia. And we got together, um, tore the living room apart, put up a bunch of instruments, and then finished writing the album in there. So, yeah, it's it's a very collaborative process.
0: Nice. I would say this is what I'm most jealous about, like East Coast bands of, is that they can go rent cabins in the woods and, like, hang out on the lake and, like just uh, have fun right like yeah. you don't really get that like you could you could rent a cabin here on like mount charleston in las vegas but there's nothing to do you might actually it might turn into the shining instead right like you might end uh, up like killing each other
1: <laughs> yeah right i mean some but, fans look for that I, I remember reading a story about led zeppelin like renting some remote cabin in the middle of wales and all they did was sit around campfires and do psychedelics and drink a shitload. And they wrote, you yeah. know, one of the records. I was like, that sounds awesome, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Being, being on the East Coast is incredibly, uh, I feel very fortunate having access to different kinds of nature, the beach, mountains, stuff like that, but also the ability to tour and hit some really cool cities, um, pretty easily too.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it was funny because we, we, I didn't know, and, and this is like a, a person who's been on the podcast recently was Pedro Aida from or Aida from fire sale uh shot clock a bunch of other bands iron roses and he's also a producer and he actually mixed uh produced and basically mixed your guys's all your music so far so Mm -hmm. i reached out when i found that out i was like i didn't know you did like work with sleeve and he was like yeah they're awesome guys i was like that's crazy i was like he's like yeah i've I've pretty much recorded and and produced all their stuff so far i was like so shout out to pedro uh you know huge shout
1: out to pedro yeah
0: yeah i wish he would have told me like well i'm not like he's gonna be like yeah i've worked with every band that i've ever worked with but it like the fact that like i've posted about sleeve before and, and posted about obviously the bands he's in and neither of you guys knew that like i knew both of you somewhat a little bit it was kind of interesting yeah. and kind of it's like just like a small world right um yeah, yeah it's awesome to be able to speak to both of you guys because richmond is I, I would say there's not a lot of famous bands from richmond but there's a, a, a i would say there's a, a good rich rich uh uh scene there in richmond so yeah
1: yeah you know uh, i guess it depends on the scene and it depends on the era too you know but Veils, yeah. pretty big bands they came out of richmond we have Lamb of god we have guar and we have so many other bands that I'm, Gwar, I'm, I'm not
0: jesus i didn't even know they were from richmond but that's hilarious Uh
1: huh. yeah their <laughs> uh their practice space is not far from where i'm sitting right now but um
0: that's hilarious
1: yeah yeah, we, we definitely have a very rich scene and, you know, it being so close to DC, we've gotten so many of the awesome DC punk bands coming down here yeah. since the 90s. But yeah, Pedro is an incredible person, a wonderful producer, gets the best drum sounds, which is obviously important to me out of uh, anyone I've ever heard. And um, talented musician. I've been recording with Pedro um, with other bands since I was 19 or 20 years old. Wow. I went from recording drums in his kids playroom you know there's just children's toys everywhere to him actually building a detached studio that's absolutely beautiful so yeah he's uh he's recorded all his stuff um if you take a look at our band camp you'll see two releases that aren't on spotify and apple music and he recorded both of those and it's amazing to see the progression from the 2016 ep where we didn't use a click track and we were just like figuring shit out to the most recent EP too. It's, uh, yeah. it's been quite a journey and uh, we've been very lucky to have Pamela on for, uh, for the ride.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So let's talk about the songs on the album because there's only four songs, uh, one of which is actually a re-recording of the original song off the first EP, mm-hmm. Gold. Uh, but let's start with Non-Emergency Line because I think there's some I mean, it's a short song. It's only like a minute and a half from memory, but it starts off with a quote from a ho- horror movie called The Driller Killer, which uh, obviously most people are not going to know about. Uh, I don't Including know. Have me. You seen me. Have you seen the movie? Is that how you came upon it?
1: Nope. Uh, I think we were just looking for royalty-free samples online. Yeah. I, I was um, out of the country. I wasn't privy to this, but um, yeah, they just found a sample they really liked and chose it. I had no idea what movie it was from. <laughs> so thank you yeah. for enlightening me.
0: Yeah, so the movie it, it's it and it it's quite interesting because the quote itself is is something to the effect of like the painter's painting something and and the the, the art teacher or whatever the instructor is essentially telling him he's an uninspired, passionless artist and mm-hmm. not he's not creating art anymore. He's basically just putting out what people kind of are already putting out or what people expect, mm-hmm. right? So, and that's how it makes it bad art. Um, Did you guys use that because you were feeling like you were struggling to put out new music that was worthy of your previous work? Is that why that kind of line is in there?
1: Not necessarily in regards to us. I think it's more, I think that sample kind of touched a chord with us and the way we feel about a lot of popular music coming out right now. And not to say that we're talking shit about other bands necessarily, but there there is like a certain pressure to put out the same thing over and over and over again so yeah. it was more an observation than it was you know a personal uh, like a reflection of what we were going through at the time um, yeah. but yeah i mean that non-emergency that song was um it came from the least uh inter- it, it originated in the least interesting way possible essentially <laughs> we had written three songs we were in the studio and we're like all right we're recording an ep like a three-song EP doesn't seem like an EP. Let's record one more song. And so I just laid down a drum beat and then we built a song around it. And then the sample is just kind of the cherry on top. And I think it kind of makes it. You know, the sample really yeah. sets the tone. And um, I'd say just that message about you know, the general lack of inspiration in our scene, it, depending on where you look and even the the times where you can struggle to find inspiration yourself is kind of a running theme throughout the album for sure.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm going to say you're going to have to watch The Driller Killer because uh, it's a terrible movie. It, it's it's known as, like, one of these horror. – I'm kind of the same way. Like, I think all horror movies are so bad they're funny. And so, like, it kind of makes – Sure, it in yeah. Way. This is one of those types of movies. So, like, if you can actually watch it and sit through it and be like, okay, I'm I'm watching it for the irony in the comedy, then, yeah, then you can enjoy it. But if you watch yeah. it thinking, like, this is going to be a actually good movie, you're not going to enjoy it. Sure.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely watch it now. But it's also kind of funny that a bad movie has such a great line. Like, the, the sample yeah. is awesome. You know, I absolutely, yeah. I, I think it's it's great. But how funny is that, that even something yeah. that's so bad can have little nuggets of gold in it, you know?
0: Exactly. I mean, there's, there's quotable things in every bad movie. I, I will still, still quote, like, ten quotes from, like, movies that nobody likes and i'll be like i love that movie like there's here's i quote that movie so often i forget that i'm quoting that movie anymore and i think it's just like something i sure. say now <laughs> yeah but yeah it becomes a <laughs> but part of it you. happens yeah exactly yeah. all right so th- obviously the next song on the album is in escrow uh and i'm not sure i know all the meaning behind the song i have read like the lyrics or anything like that but from what i gather it's a pretty uh it's like a sort of a self-reflection song about not living up to like your family and your peers expectations, or even maybe your own expectations of yourself that cause like doubt and regret. Is that kind of what the, 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 the song is about? And there's, is there some sort of autobiographical moments within this song about, you know, anybody in the band or just all you guys kind of thinking about that?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I've absolutely adored about sleep over the past seven years is Charlie's lyrics. He's a really wonderful lyricist. Um, he's just, he's, um, passionate about poetry and literature and so he it kind of shows in the way he writes and the thing that's always been interesting as a band member and as um you know Charlie's one of my best friends in the world i still don't know what some of the songs are about you know and he he kind of plays his cards very close to his chest in regards to this is a he'll say this is about a person in my life but he won't be specific or this is about an experience but yeah in escrow i think it could have autobiographical elements to it if i were making a guess but the thing that we really talked about a lot was, you know, the expectations of friends and family, but also how, you know, there are times in life where you're on an upswing, so many things are going well, and then it takes one serious moment to kind of throw it all out of, you know, make you spin out, make you start questioning things, make you start feeling, you know, regret and guilt and so 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 many emotions. Um, it's a song that I'm still wrapping my head around it a lot of ways it's a song that i'm still falling in love with little by little and um yeah interestingly um we so we're we're making a music video for that song we're working with an animator uh, out of italy who's incredible and yeah. um, we gave him the ep we're like yeah we haven't really chosen a single that we want for the music video and he pretty much immediately was like in escrow it has to be an escrow like okay man he's like i'll have it to you by december and you know a week later he has the final product it's like i've been obsessed with the song i stayed up for 48 hours straight my wife wants me to stop talking about this thing and he made this incredibly deep and dark music video that just like it it pulled this like very very real reaction out of me it's a it's a jarring music video and it's cool because I, i i'm saying all this because i think it's a song that It's continuing to take shape as time goes on. The more I listen to it, the more other people listen to it. It, it, It's very powerful in a lot of ways. And it's been interesting seeing how it's affected people. But I I love that music is something that everyone can pull their own meaning from and it's equally valid. You know, Charlie could have written that song, you know, about himself or about someone else, but you listen to it and you derive your own meaning. And that is equally as valid as Charlie's, right? The song belongs to you as much as it does to him. And that's kind of the beauty. Of music i think
0: yeah and i think that's a, a good point about like especially if you have like a if you're an introvert or something like that um, you're not going to go out there and publicly like say like here's what happened to me here's what how my you know, childhood brought me into this position in, in, in life or you know whatever like there's there's reasons people don't necessarily put their names on everything right like they they might write sure. the song but they're not going to say i did this and this has happened to me and you know you know say people's names and stuff like that there, for There's for sure There's bands out there that do that. You know, there's like a dashboard confessional, for example, right? Like literally Mm -hmm. writes the song about the person is like crying in mid song about that person. it's like, yes, there's deeply meaningful ways to connect with that. But it's even more kind of if it's not so specific, then you can maybe have a a broader audience that it appeals to as well. Because then they can say, yes, parts of that actually affect me, not the whole story you're talking about.
1: Yeah, certainly. And I think you touched on something that's fascinating to me, but I think language can be very limiting, especially when describing emotions, you know, humans invented language, and we feel emotions that the English language can't capture necessarily, right? at German, you look at French, you look at Japanese, and there's words for things that we don't necessarily have in English, right? And so I think you can use music as a way to express deeper emotions and experiences, patterns, traumas, whatever that you can't necessarily express with words, right. And there's a certain power to that as well. Right. So yeah, yeah. Um, be it lyrically or even physically playing drums or guitar or whatever, it, it, I think can become a way to express some things that you can't necessarily talk about a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, exactly um the next song i actually want to talk about so obviously in escrow is great I, i'm looking forward to the music video because i think all your guys' music videos are fantastic and people got to check those out too but the next song i want to talk about obviously i'm just going to kind of go in a row here but icarus because i find that icarus is a pretty awesome track myself obviously it's a Thank reference you. to the greek god icarus or i guess he's a god or he's part of mythology anyway who basically flew too close to the sun these wings that his dad invented basically like burned up because they were made of like wax or whatever. And he fell to the sea and drowned. Now there's a pretty strong analogy here. And from what I can gather, it basically seems like it's referring to a relationship that you get too close to, you get burned on. And then essentially you have this emotional drowning. Now, this is kind of what we're talking about with how Charlie writes lyrics. There's, there's very, you know, deep meaning behind this analogy and whether or not this is based on past experience, it it creates a real, an imagery type of situation in your head, whether it's related to that analogy or not, but you're going to start to see a story develop. And as you see this story develop, you're going to start to see that emotion where it may not say, here's the emotion of somberness, right? But like, you're going to get this like detachment, you're going to get this disorientation, this alienation, and then this sort of bitterness, right? And then try to, try to like have a lyric conversation about that. It's pretty interesting because, I mean, that's, that's the, you know, you see in movies all the time. It's like, oh, people have a breakup, then they get back together, and it's happily ever after. That's not real life, right? Like, there's this whole oh, no. disconnected thing between Hollywood and real life. That's like, most of the time, there's not a happy ending in a relationship. And in, only, in fact, maybe once in your life you'll have a happy ending in a relationship. Most of the time, it's like regret misery uh whatever you want to call it so sure what kind of what kind of take do you have on this when obviously you're you know maybe you listen to the lyrics or not but like what's your kind of take on a song like that when you listen to all the emotions that you're really going through in a relationship
1: yeah sure i mean it, it's funny because it's a love song you know and i i think a love song if we're using the ho- hollywood analogy generally is like oh this person's amazing and the relationship's great this is so wonderful but i think it's more of an honest or realistic love song based on charlie's experience and certainly my experience too where there are a lot of great things but it's also very complicated and it can end badly and then restart and then end badly and then restart you know you yeah. can get caught in cycles and loops and patterns and ultimately you know you're just trying to um you're trying to coexist with another human being who has their own emotions their own experiences and communicating and connecting isn't always uh isn't always easy but i I love the fact that it is a love song yet there is a very realistic and honest element about like you know getting too close to the wrong person essentially and getting burned and you know yeah i'm the to start over somewhere and feeling that guilt and that regret but also the anger and also the love so many things you know
0: and that's one thing like if you if anybody is in a real relationship not like an instagram fake relationship where you're just posting selfies of each other right you'll know that like when somebody hurts you deeply like say they go and cheat on you right like there's going to be like this baggage that you still hang on to even though you don't want to talk about it all, right? but like if you do stay together then you have this and it's it's hard to get over stuff like that it doesn't have to be that extreme but like there's going to be other versions of that right like them lying to you or them going and doing something that you didn't want them to do and each one of those adds up to like these like you know heavier and heavier things that you still have to go on and the whole point is that you can still make that relationship work but you still got to get over these these other things
1: yeah the only way to really get over those things is to address them you know do the scary yeah. thing and actually talk about it and talk about where it comes from and you know like i think so much of uh so much i mean the way that we act in my opinion comes from cycles that we've been developing since we were children you know we learned yeah. how to be human beings from observing our parents, and sometimes we didn't have the best examples in certain areas, and we carried that with us later on in life, right? But yeah, acknowledging our own patterns and our own cycles and being able to communicate that and communicate yeah. with our partner, even when things are going poorly, is uh, it's difficult, but it's necessary, right?
0: Yeah, I did some uh, like, re- like basically study because I have a newborn, well, he's two and a half now, but like, well, obviously, when he was new, newborn, and I'm trying to figure out how to like. Calm my anger down with like trying to f- deal with him and be patient. And, you sure, know, it's very yeah. difficult with toddlers. But one of the things that I, I learned from this was through uh, psychology, basically, psychological experts that basically say there's only one thing that parents pass along to you that's not related in your DNA, and that's childhood trauma that they had. And I'm like, fuck! That's so goddamn powerful. It's like all they're doing is regurgitating what their parents did to you, and you're doing the same thing. If you don't break the cycle, then it just keeps going. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that's too hard to do. I'm
1: like, absolutely, I'm not man. Up that. You're, <laughs> yeah, honestly, Honestly, uh, Isaac, you're you're getting onto a subject I absolutely. It, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot for the past two years. I, I had a mom who uh, struggled with addiction for most of her life and passed away kind of suddenly a couple of years ago. And you yeah. know, I I picked up a lot of. Um, habits from her and I certainly I, I carried on her traumas her childhood traumas that she experienced and talking to her mother about her childhood and then hearing about her mother it's it's so obvious that from generation to generation it has these things on right and yeah. the idea of breaking the chain is so fascinating to me because it's possible that's incredibly hard and it takes a lot of yeah. self awareness and soul searching and so many things right but uh, yeah, yeah it's um, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating subject especially considering that to be the best parent possible. I, am not a parent, but I would assume it takes you being good to yourself, right? Knowing how to take care of yourself. That way you can be the example for your child too, right?
0: Yeah. And I will say, unless you are, unless you feel like you can find yourself to be incredibly patient and, and keep an open mind about learning about stuff, it is very difficult to say you should go out and be a parent because there's, there's Mm. so many things that you can do wrong as a parent that even if you did everything right the one time you do something wrong that's the thing that's usually going to stick with that kid more than all the things that you do right which is crazy
1: for sure i mean it's inevitable too and instead of trying to avoid traumatizing children i imagine the best thing to do is to just like give them the tools to face it you know and it's yeah. like hey you were probably traumatized as a kid here's how you work through it here's how i've been working through my own shit, right but yeah. being human's weird and it's for all of us to figure out on our own you know yeah but it's, it's, it's crazy to cool meet people yeah, it is crazy. It's all, it's all crazy. But, you know, going back to music, that's the beauty of music too. It's a way of exploring yeah. this human condition in a way that humans have been doing for, you know, since we became human. Right.
0: Yep. As soon as we could figure out how to even like grunt in a way to help each other, we either use it in anger or we use it in sort of some sort of soothing way. Right. It's like, sure. It's okay yeah. Or don't do that
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, so the last song on the EP, and, and we could talk about, we could, we could ramble off on other subjects all the time, but let's get back to the music too. But, uh, sure, yeah. The last song on the EP, obviously, is Gold, which is uh, you know a re-remade version of the, the first, well, not the first song, but the first EP, the song Gold, that the self-titled EP was. So what made you guys decide to re-release this song on this EP at this point?
1: Yeah, um, so that first EP we recorded, and we, we absolutely – still love and stand by all those songs. Um, at the time, I, I don't think her musicianship was where it is now. Obviously, seven years of playing together and develop as musicians and as bandmates. Um, but I think the big thing was we didn't record to a click track. I was yeah. very stubborn when I was younger and just refused to do it for that first recording. And sure enough, it is. I am
0: a human really... click track. I'm a drummer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Yeah. But um, yeah, once I, once I kind of got over that and I like, started using click tracks and seeing the value of them, Shortly thereafter, you know the, the music, the quality of the music obviously changed. But um, to answer your question more directly, we were on a tour in Canada um, with our friends Frontside from uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. If you haven't listened to them, you should. Fucking unbelievable. And um, we were touring with some old friends of ours called the Crease Rule, who are a, a pop punk band from uh, Toronto, or they're based out of uh, Toronto. Uh, but um, yeah, we uh, we just decided to play the song for some reason. We we have been playing a lot of the same songs over and over and we wanted to revisit um, Gold for some reason. And we were just immediately struck by how powerful it was live, especially having another guitarist at the time who were three-piece, so it didn't have as much of the depth and the grit that we got from having an extra guitarist. And we played it live and just the way it felt, the reaction from the crowd and the reaction from Punxsut in particular just made us realize like, oh, there's something here. We should try recording this and giving it the treatment that I think a song of that quality deserves without sounding pretentious, you know, I, I think it's a great song, so I'm glad we yeah. got a chance to give it a little love, you know
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, like, you know we were talking, you know, about you know, when you release your first album, or your first batch of songs it's, it's things that you've been working on for years to that point, or, you know two, three years, or whatever, to get to that point to record it, most bands then just go and say, okay, well, in order to keep this band going, we just need to keep releasing new music all the time, right, and then like they're really just pumping out songs that aren't as meaningful as the first set of songs because it took 3 years to really flesh them out and they could drop sure. songs, they could choose the best ones. I think a lot of a lot of, you know, times you're going to find something that you can relive and and make new or make better from something in the past like you know there's songs that i recorded when i was like 16 and i'm like Fuck, that might be one of my best songs that i've ever done but i was yeah. 16 years old at the time i didn't even know what the hell i was doing so then like i could obviously go back and do that i'm not a professional musician so i don't have to worry about that but mm-hmm. I can see obviously how a lot of bands can say, look, this deserves to be kind of brought back because there is something about this song that we didn't quite discover yet. And then and mm-hmm. now we have, so yeah, it's, I think it's a really good song. It's a great way to end the EP too, because there's a lot of stuff on this EP for the four songs. I think it's only maybe like 15 minutes long or 14 mm-hmm. minutes long in total. But yeah. for those 14, 15 minutes, you're looking at like, you know, three songs of like epicness and then a a kind of like an intro track of just like this is exactly why we're this is this is why this ep exists and then you get obviously this is going to parlay into a new album which comes out later uh you know in 2024 which i think if anybody listens to sleeve you're going to be quite excited about that as well
1: yeah yeah i hope so i hope so yeah Yeah, uh, the ep is um i i appreciate your your take on it. it 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 feels very epic in a way that it's just kind of unusual, you know, short intro track, a, a, one of my favorite songs we've written in escrow that, you know, halfway through totally changes, um, the vibe, it just, it, it yeah. completely changes. Icarus, which is a very strange song for kind of a punk band to be playing, and then finishing off with the song we wrote in 2016, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it was a lot of fun and it was, it was great writing kind of an experimental EP for lack of a better term without any expectations, without any like, oh, we need to do this, you know? so i'm glad that we got the chance to do it
0: yeah so there's a lot of times when bands release eps it's usually to kind of keep momentum it's kind of to resurge some stuff but then there's other times when it's like it shows this transitional change in a band too for example um, i don't know if you know the band cursive but they did a, a an ep mm-hmm. called burst and bloom and it was between a couple of albums i think it was um uh between uh, i can't even remember the two albums but um, anyway, Happy Hollow and um, the one before that, which was Ugly Organ, I believe. So between those two, they did an EP called Burst and Bloom, and you could kind of start to see how it's changing from kind of the this this previous work that they did into some of their newer work. But at the same time, that EP, what I would I still call that EP particularly the greatest EP that's ever been written um but a lot of people don't even know it exists so i'm like if you don't if you want to see a good ep go to burst and bloom by cursive because that's phenomenal it's like four or five songs i think it's considered the greatest ep of all time but i kind of see that a little bit here maybe with you guys i don't know what the next album's got up its sleeve but do you see that there's some sort of kind of transitional phase kind of going between the past stuff and kind of what you guys are moving towards
1: yeah absolutely um so I, I will definitely check out that EP. I've only really listened to Ugly Organ, so yeah. I, I'm I'm overdue for a more cursive listen. Yeah, But yeah, you know, funny enough, I, I do think the EP is a transition for us stylistically. You know, again, it's the first uh, body of work that we've written with our new guitarist who was yeah. a tremendous musician, great person, just immediately um, meshed with us. So I think everything that we write from here on out is going to be, um, it's kind of going to be in that vein. But the interesting thing about it is we um, we recorded our second album going on two years ago now i think so it, it was kind of coming we, we recorded it during covid right yeah and uh we were planning on putting it out at a certain time we were recording music videos and this kept getting delayed and um it's delayed to the point now where uh, we knew it wasn't going to come out until april of 2024 ish we're working with a few record labels on it including engineer and Heart. um and we just didn't want to wait any longer to put something out. So we're like, let's just throw together an EP. Um, we wanted to re-record "Gold." We've been jamming on Icarus and in an Escrow. So we're like, let's record these songs so we have something. Yeah. And so it's kind of strange now. We're putting out music that feels like um, the natural direction for us. You know, it, it's what we're kind of transitioning into. But the body of work we're putting out afterwards comes from a different phase in our life. And not to say it doesn't represent us or it's not a progression from the first album, but it's very different stylistically yeah there's no in escrow there's no gold on the uh, on the uh, album you know it's it's a yeah. lot more uh, it's just it's a very different direction so it, it's gonna be interesting to see how people resonate with the second album compared to the e p and then it'll be interesting to see what LP e three looks like whenever that ends up uh coming
0: with yeah yeah so i mean i'm i'm obviously looking forward to you know the the new stuff um you know, the the fact that you guys are a four-piece now and you can do a little bit more intricate stuff and, and you know, play some solos and stuff like that, it's going to be interesting because the, you know, Charlie was already a really good guitar player, but he's limited by the fact that you can't really just keep doing, like, solos while you're trying to sing and, like, try to keep everything and do that. I mean, yeah. there's there's certain guys out there that do it, and I'm like, I just don't. I don't st- you're you're a freaking robot. I don't get what you're doing right now. This is physically impossible. Yeah. But it does allow people to kind of stay in their lane and focus on what they actually want to do and be better at that instead of trying to be like i want to be the best at guitar and the best at singing it's like usually those two things don't align yeah. at the same time like you know don't, you don't for sure that, yeah but, yeah and,
1: and led uh, zeppelin you know, didn't
0: have everybody do everything right it's like you got this role you got this role you got this role yep yeah you know, exactly
1: <laughs> well as the as a little anecdote i, I remember being a kid and seeing a led zeppelin cover bands and you know they were fine they were good but um I'll never forget the singer, you know, in between every song would be like, Jimmy Page was such a good guitarist that we have to have two guitars to play his parts. And he just made the same point over and over and over. Like, <laughs> we get it, man. He's not dead yet. You don't have to, you don't have to revere him like this, you know? Yeah. But um, Well, another thing having- is like,
0: on a lot of those albums they're putting like four or five guitar tracks together so of course you need two guitar players
1: (laughs) yeah exactly but you know the funny thing too is having another guitarist is one step closer to charlie's dream he wants to just sing you know like his dream is to have two guitarists and that he's only a vocalist. so we're getting there little by little yeah
0: nice All right. So I'm going to take a quick break. That's pretty much all the questions we got about the album, but I do want to actually play the song Icarus off this new EP. So that way people can hear, you know, what it, what it's all about. So do I have full permission from you guys to play this song by Sleeve called Icarus so that way YouTube and Spotify don't bitch at me about it?
1: Ah, yeah, 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 for sure. You have full permission.
0: All right. So here's the song from Sleeve called Icarus. It's off the new EP. All these songs are about you. That's the name of it, right? All these songs about you. Yep. Yep. And we'll be back right after this to bring Julian into the spotlight with some hot quits, hot, hot quits, hot seat questions. Man, (laughs) Jesus Christ, I can't talk today. Hot seat questions. That should be a lot of fun. We'll see you right after this. Welcome back to the Power By Rock podcast. I'm here with Julian from the band Sleeve. Hey, Julian, are you ready to be put in the spotlight with some hot seat questions? Do it. Put me in the All hot right. seat. So the first one is not going to be music related, I don't think. Well, it could be. But uh, let's see how altruistic your motives are. If you had a magic oh, lamp God. and were granted three wishes, what would those three wishes be? Oh, oh my God.
1: God. Uh, to be healthy enough to live 100 more years. I, I want to okay. see what the world's going to be like.
0: Um, Not just to be decrepit and live a hundred years in an old body, right? Yeah. Could you
1: imagine? That'd be fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd be curious. Either that or looking into the past, I'd be curious to know what things were like a thousand or two thousand years ago. Um, I, I'm i going to sound like an asshole unless I say something like solve world hunger or you yeah. know, like fix the homeless. You know, homelessness. No one's you know, ever going to do that when great. they
0: have a, a free wish, right? They're going to be like something that kind of fits me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would like to bring some moniker peace to the world. That's the way to use the word moniker. Um, yeah, you know, like, but how possible is that? and I'm, I'm really butchering this question. I would like to live hundred extra years. I would like to, uh, yeah, do something nice for the community. Helping with homelessness, for example, would be great. And, uh, sure. you know, feeding, feeding people you know the hunger problem and then yeah i mean i would like to um get to a place with this third wish where sleeve could do some good touring around the world you know see some more things experience some new experiences Man, i absolutely butchered my magic (laughs) wish and see that's the issue right if if i gave myself time to think about what what i would do with these wishes i could probably do some sick things but you know you start shooting off your wishes and you waste them
0: yeah, exactly. That's the hot seat part, right? Like, oh man, I, I just yeah. wished for everybody in, in Richmond to be, have a house. And it's like, well, now there's no homeless people, but now there's just a bunch of like trashed houses everywhere. And so everybody's property value goes down. And it's like, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. And I'm still me sitting right here. Nothing's changed. Except for yeah, 100. exactly. Everything, everything sucks. To be That's what
0: happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the problem with wishes, right? Like there's always that opposite reaction. The, the center always comes to the balance and everything. Sure. There. The world is fucked. No matter what happens, however you plan it and however you say it, it's somehow going to mm-hmm. have an opposite effect down the road. But yeah, anyway, certainly,
1: certainly.
0: that's why I like to see what people say because it's like, you never know. Like they might just be like, I'm going to be completely selfish because I feel like if I just focus on myself, I can't fuck up too much other stuff. But then there's other people like, yeah. no, I'm going to be completely selfless and ho- help everybody. And it's like, you probably didn't help everybody because when you help some people then you don't help other people and all this of stuff yeah
1: yeah and you don't really know what other people's problems are right you know yeah. like I I have trouble understanding my own problems you know as empathetic as you can be and as much as you can listen and be there for people ultimately you know it's up to the individual to solve things for themselves now granted there are societal constraints that hold groups of people back certainly but yeah it, it's impossible yeah. to know what Someone actually needs, or what people actually need. So, yeah, yeah it's I mean, probably structure. better to think of yourself, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's like what is really true, truly altruism, anyway. It's like if I think about everybody else, then I'm probably gonna mismanage it. I mean, you've never seen a religion or a government in the world help people in the way that it's intended, right? So it's like, no matter your intentions, 100%. you're gonna screw it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And who am I to say I know what other people need? In the same yeah. way that. How can a government or an organized religion claim that they had the answer to everything right yeah, yeah our, exactly, our human right? experience is full of mysteries right no one has an answer for anything so
0: yeah so for all all answers. you charities out there you're probably fucking shit up too so don't worry about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly that's exactly what we said yeah
0: <laughs> all right uh, number two as a very novice drummer myself i always appreciate talking to drummers and i was recently having a conversation with a friend who mentioned that he was surprised that drummers acted more like conductors of the band, even though the lead singer is usually kind of the person who kind of produces or directs the band in a lot of, uh, you know, sound and kind of maybe like structure or like how the, the song, you know, is put together. But do you ever feel like you're actually, you know, because you get to choose tempos, loudness, and basically technicality for any given song, that you kind of have this like magic wand, obviously a drumstick in your hand, that you can kind of set everything and let everybody kind of follow behind you. And, and do you feel like you dictate a lot of sleeve sound due to your drumming style? Yeah. I mean,
1: as far as dictating sound goes, I think we all, you know, kind of dictate it in our own ways in our own styles, but yeah, I mean, I I definitely think so. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm the best drummer in the world, but particularly technical or fast, but, uh, I would say I'm a very intuitive drummer. And what really interests me when it comes to songwriting and performing live, especially is that kind of conductor mentality of dictating tempo, you know, building up energy, you know, uh, yeah. playing with volume and with feel. And I love playing with empty space too. There's a lot of simple chokes. I don't know if you're listening to the drums, but I just, I love a simple joke. You know, you're building up energy and you have the conclusion and, you know, it's, it's a fake out in a way so I, yeah. I love that element of drumming and i think it definitely kind of drives sleeve style to be a little less straightforward punk and to play with more elements of uh you know i don't even know how to put it you know it, it's yeah. very intuitive and emotive to me
0: yeah well and I, I listen and watch your drumming i'm like you know i i i could play pretty well I, I say i'm a novice but I, I played guitar since i was 11 and i'm probably somehow a better drummer than i'm a guitarist because guitar you can be mm good at and then you see the difference between a good drum a good guitarist and a like you know like a david gilmore air clapping like well that's fucking impossible mm. so why even try to get to that point but in drumming you can kind of see how you can almost get to a point where you you know i'm not gonna be maybe as fast as like a travis barker or maybe as technical as like mike mangini or one of these like guys that are like incredibly just gifted or neil parrot from rush or any of these guys but when you sit down and play you can see like you know what they're doing Players like a guitar player i'm like i don't know how to sweet pick i don't know how to do all this other stuff yeah sure it's physically my hand can't do that drumming you you just know that practice more right like play that thing faster and faster and faster until you get better at it or get more technical with it and then syncopate your rhythms (laughs) and stuff i get all that like i would say like you know when i when i listen to your drumming you've got the the technicalities of a lot of that Rhythm, like the syncopation, maybe, or even like some of like the, the the like you're saying the conductor, and that's why I brought up because when I listen to it, I'm like, you know, a guitar player is not going to know how to explain that necessarily. They're just going to say like, be loud in this part, right? And like, you're going to have to figure mm. out like how you get loud to that point, right? Like, you're not just going to be like all the time. You can't just like crash cymbals in and like do that because it gets repetitive, right? And it sounds like well, that's my go. That's my go to is just crash cymbal. So I, yeah. that's why I brought up because when you say you're not technical. The way that you do it actually sounds incredibly technical and well thought out. That's why I brought that up Thank to you, you because I was like, Thank when you. I listen to it, it sounds really fucking good. So I'm like, I, I wonder what he's thinking when he's going through this and what the conversation between everybody is.
1: Yeah, there, there's not much of a conversation. And, you know, you brought up an interesting point. It's how do you get loud? And the other yeah. question that kind of goes along with that for me is why do you get loud? You know, why does yeah. this part need the kind of emphasis that it's getting? When I write drums, I often write to vocals and lead guitar. I don't really write to <laughs> bass a lot. I, I love accenting what most people are actually listening to, you know, which is the vocals, I'd say for the most part, yeah. but
0: and the bass, what, yeah, the know, bass there, player's job is to kind of follow you anyway, so you don't have to worry about that. Personally. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I think a, a good song from a band that is connected kind of writes itself a lot of the time, you know, yeah. not, not to throw a blanket statement over it. There's so many ways to write a song, but for us, it, it kind of writes itself. And I think what I try to do is I try to get out of my own way. I don't think too much. I just kind of let myself interpret it the way it needs to be interpreted. And, you know i think to uh, to kind of address what you were saying about being a better drummer than uh, being a better guitarist i think drumming is unique in that to be a really good drummer i think the only thing that you really need outside of practice is authenticity you know i think yeah. my favorite drummers are incredibly authentic when you listen to them play you know it's them you know a great example of that is meg white from the white stripes not a technically gifted drummer but when you hear a white stripe song it's undeniably that that drummer right and you know i think that's what jack white kind of wanted he wanted a bad drummer to you know kind of like you know keep obscure basic rhythms going while he did whatever on guitar yeah yeah i mean i think a good drummer to me isn't someone who's you know purely technically proficient but it's someone who when you hear them you're like "Uh, i know who that is or at least you know, has their own kind of style going and there's so much more variation too you know like there's different sized drums. You can put different amounts of drums in front of you, different cymbals, sizes. You know, the thing that I love playing with is how far apart from me do I put all the instruments to? Because suddenly yeah. if your snare drum isn't right at your stomach and it's further out, you're playing different, you know? Yeah. You're playing differently. You're approaching it differently. Your performance looks different too. So it's a, it's a wonderful instrument.
0: Yeah. And I've said it before, but Zach Lind from um, Jimmy World, who I consider to be a great drummer, he's not, like the, the most technical, but his timing, his understanding of how to build the songs up, like if if you just want to like learn like feel for drums, I think learning like Jimmy World songs is a pretty good way to start. Because when I first started playing drums, I was like, I don't really want to play like, you know, Metallica or, you know, even though I found after playing some Metallica stuff, I'm like, this is actually as hard as I remember it being like when you listen to Metallic, mm-hmm. you think yeah. these drums are like really, really hard to do. And I'm like, actually, it's not that hard. But um, sure, it's actually yeah. more, more more, like the timing stuff and the feel stuff that I found to be more interesting. Because I'm like, anybody can go out there and smash the drums. And obviously playing like a Dave Grohl style, like, yeah, you can play like that. And there's a lot of people that just want to smash drums. And that's why most people start drumming. But when you start to get into the theory of like how it's supposed to make the song better and how it actually is you know kind of the conductor of the song it, it, it becomes a lot more complicated
1: yeah and uh, you know i i love smashing drums anyone who's seen me play yeah. live knows i love smashing drums but you know i think that there is a time and a place to really fucking kick that ass you know like to beat yeah. the shit out of them and you know it, i think you're you're kind of giving people permission to move a lot of the time you yeah. know like people are moving based on the rhythm that you're laying down right and so if you know when to like really let the emotion show or really beat the shit out of the drums, then you, you have more impact on the uh, listener a lot of the time, but yeah, yeah, it's a,
0: I agree. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, It's awesome. All right. Question number three. So I've recently been, been trying to determine my own personal, like who are my own great influences on my personal music when I play. And even after years mm. of playing pop punk songs, I really think that most of my main influences actually came from grunge and alternative bands, even though I don't mm. naturally write those kinds of songs as easily. Would you say that your influences in your music don't necessarily fit the genre of the end result? Obviously, we talked about Chess Hall. We talked about, uh, you know, some of the other bands that you were, you were talking about, The Cure, and, and the, I think you said The Smiths as well. But mm-hmm. do you think yeah. that this yeah. is something that, like, when you, when you take all these things that are floating in the ether and then you kind of put them and embody them and then release them and back out, they're just completely blended up and, like, kind of spit back out into the world in a different way?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of music. You know, you, you have all these inspirations, you know, like if I start thinking about the, the people who are, have inspired me throughout my life or are particularly inspiring now, you know, Radiohead's a huge influence on me. Love
0: ABBA Radiohead, was yeah. a big
1: fan that my family listened to. And, it, you know, like some of the rhythms and the emotions that ABBA were able to create was incredible, you know, even if Ava isn't you know, a band that I listen to frequently, or they're not a band that necessarily inspires my, uh, my drumming, per se. And there's so much old R&B that I absolutely adore. There's like this 60, or this uh, Italian artist from the 60s, Caterina Caselli, that I absolutely adore, who just like captures emotions so beautifully. But yeah, like, you know, none of those bands necessarily scream hardcore, pop-punk, punk, whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, somehow when you take all those influences, you know, especially we've been, I've been talking about emotion a lot, you know, when you take the emotiveness of all those artists and you put it through the filter of your body and your understanding of music and your proficiency in whatever instrument you're playing, yeah, it can create something really unique and cool.
0: Yeah. And I, I always go back to like when I listen to like interviews with like Ginger Baker and Buddy Rich, like way back in the day, you know, maybe they're not on video, but like in writing, i will say stuff like, you know, I didn't listen to any rock music. I never like grew up listening. And, and again, these are rock drumming pioneers, right? John Bonham, some of these other guys. And yeah. you talk about them and a lot of them were like, yeah, I listened to, you know, jazz and I listened to this and I listened to that and, and and got better at my, my craft and then applied it to what these guys happen to be playing over here. And it happens to work. Yeah, so another, 100%. another one was, uh, you know, the beginning of Smells Like Teen Spirit, where he does like a double flam or a triple flam. He's like, did it, did it, did it, yeah, whatever. He stole that from a disco song, and it, later on in life, he actually got to meet the guy who, like, basically, I can't remember the name of the the group, but he's like, you know, I took that basically from you, you guys. And he's like, I know. <laughs> he's like, uh. how awesome he was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you know, this disco song that's like, da 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 da, and like, he took that flam from them, and he was like. That's incredible that like you, you hear in the beginning of one of the most iconic alternative songs of all time, a flam from like a flam beat from a disco song. And it's like, you don't see mm-hmm. that like necessarily in guitar work because sure you can have that. But like, if you start to put in like blues riffs into a guitar, you're going to hear the blues immediately, but you don't necessarily mm-hmm. hear that with drums. Like, you just hear like what cool shit that drums are making. Right
1: yeah for sure and that flam is iconic because of its timing and the timing is undeniably you know has that like that funk that soul that disco feel you know it's danceable which is really cool right yeah but yeah i i never listened to punk music really before joining sleep never listened to like emo or hardcore like it wasn't in my uh it just wasn't in my uh in my library at all i was like playing jazz music I was listening to a lot of soul i was listening to a lot of new wave like the smiths new order stuff like that but yeah i early on i think the early sleeve stuff sounds particularly strange just because i never listened to punk music but i you know i I got you know what punk was supposed to be to an extent i've tried to hold on to that as much as possible you know
0: yeah i think that's the best part is like when the drummer takes what they know and just applies it to what they're hearing and it's like makes this even better connection of what like because it's different right it's like you don't hear that kind of drumming in the genre and that makes it even better because it's not quite fitting the genre, but it also is doing It's like, it's, that's how they always come up with like the, the post things, right? Post hardcore, post grunge, post everything mm-hmm. It's yeah, because somehow, sure. some way somebody thought of it in a different light and now it's kind of moving in that genre as well.
1: Yeah. And it goes back to what I was saying about authenticity, right? The more authentic you are to your own expression of the instrument that you're playing, the more likely you are to play something that's unique and that it can actually kind of break out of the mold of whatever genre that you found yourself in, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, question number four is, I'm just going to ask, because I have no idea, like you mentioned this, it's been, uh, you know, uh, we talked about it before, but you actually guys, you guys did do some touring in India. How did Mm -hmm. that come about? Because almost no bands have any notoriety there, no connections. It's a completely, you know, completely off the, off the beaten path kind of road that most people don't travel. How did you guys get to play that?
1: Off the beaten path for a reason, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's well, not a country that is made for touring rock bands necessarily. Um, yeah, we, so when we released the first album, um, Homebound was doing really well, uh, the music video was getting some good views and, um, we were just getting a lot of interest from people. And around that time, um, we started getting messages from people, um, from Mexico and Russia, actually, who wanted us to come and tour. And we also got a message from this uh, guy who was organizing a college festival in India. And um, at the time, you know, he's like, oh, I would love for you guys to come play. We're going to have a really big stage. Um, and I was chatting with David uh, Gamage at uh, Engineer Records. I was yeah. like, is this a good idea? And he's like, if he can book more shows for you, do it. Why the hell not? You know, it's a great idea. And so sure enough, I asked the guy, like, hey, you know, flying to India from the U.S. is expensive if you can help us book other shows and, you know, like, Lodge us, feed us, all that kind of stuff. Give us some like in-country transportation. We'll do it. Sure enough, he booked us two more shows, and we chatted off to India. And it was a uh, uh-huh. a very unique experience, full of many, many, many stories. But um, yeah, it, it, it was incredible. We played three universities. I'll say we played two and a half universities. The second place <laughs> we played, that's <laughs> it was fucking outrageous. Uh, they, they like took an out. They took two hours to set us up. I they didn't have a drum set for me. They gave me a child's drum set that I ended up breaking on stage when I was playing it. Like it was, uh, it was something. But (laughs) you know, it's not a country that's used to rock bands, and so you see, you know, there were all these things you would never expect to be an issue, like fucking like you know the the voltage of an amp being too powerful for the power system that they had on stage or things like that, right? And but you know, people were hungry to hear rock music. You know, the first show that we went to, we had some people who knew us already, but not the majority of the people in the crowd didn't. We had over a thousand people show up who we were just dying to hear something, you know, yeah. from the US especially. So yeah, it was yeah. it was a very unique experience. It was cool.
0: That's very interesting. Yeah. I mean there's you don't almost you almost never hear anybody going to India like there's no built-in like scene like you said like you you can't even plug in your amp without it possibly exploding or breaking the circuitry of the freaking stage yeah so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean the, yeah infrastructure yeah, yeah. is definitely not there but yeah maybe one day I mean they got billion and a half people there's got to be some rock fans in there right
1: oh for sure and we we met a lot of them we met, we actually met this band who we met them when they were doing math so they were just fucking stoked anyways but um, they're in a hardcore band, you know, and they were like talking to us about the hardcore scene, this one city that they lived in. And so actually after our first show, um, we got asked by the organizers of the festivals if we could be the judges for a uh, for a uh, music competition that they were doing the like next battle day. of the bands or something. Yeah, it was a battle of the bands, exactly. And so yeah, we showed up to this thing and there were like six, seven, eight bands that were playing really good rock music that were talented. So I think there's like a hunger for it, but obviously it's not nearly as established as it is in the us or in europe yeah. but you know when we were playing these festivals we played in front of a thousand people we're like oh this is sick but then we went to the headlining act, and it's massive stage tens of thousands of people there all gender segregated too it was like men and women couldn't be in the crowd together which was That's really crazy. strange yeah they have like a giant barrier between uh, the two but yeah, so there there are definitely music fans, but as far as like being a touring rock band or a punk bands, there's very little any infrastructure, the yeah. at least.
0: Yeah, that's a very interesting. The whole segregation, obviously, is a very interesting thing as well. I mean, obviously, it will, it will dampen down sexual assault cases in the U.S. if they ever did that. But I mean, there's not like that's not like a crazy rampant thing necessarily in every concert or anything. But yeah, I mean, just the just the concepts of like how music like when you think back to like the 50s when it started emerging kind of in the u.s like you know screaming Women, beatles chuck berry all these guys bringing it out to to the mass audience and like the public's reaction to rock music was like shut it off like don't let this Mm -hmm. happen
1: right like we can't let these hips gyrate too much man yeah
0: exactly it's like don't put that on tv that'll that'll send everybody into hysteria it's like what are you talking about like people know how to manage their own emotions pretty well but yeah uh, yeah one of those things that like you know when governments or when when organizers just don't trust the audience to like act right it's like well then they're going to act up right then they're going to do mm-hmm. the opposite of what you they're going to be what you want them don't want them to be so yeah
1: yeah it's interesting because it's a totally different culture too and it's hard to understand it having grown up in the west especially in the yeah. u.s but you know having traveled a fair amount, not not a ton, but a decent amount, especially in some countries, some developing countries, you start noticing that culturally there are very, very different expectations. And, you know, the kids at that school thought nothing of it. They thought it was totally normal. They, they were down to, you know, like have the governing body of the uh, university tell them what to do. But, you yeah. know, like depending on where you are, I, I think from what I kind of experienced <laughs> and what I heard, India is kind of a country of conformity in a lot of ways, yeah. as is China, as is a lot of other places, right? So you just kind of accept what authority is telling you. But in the West, we have this, you know, this history and this culture of like, no, fuck authority. Come on, yeah. fuck government, you know. Well, so I'll I'll say, different.
0: especially in China, I've been to China a few times, and if you break the law, you could just disappear. Like they've disappeared public mm-hmm. officials. Like you're like generals of the army go missing. You're like, if that's the consequence maybe people in the u.s would be like well maybe i'm not going to go protest today or whatever it's like yeah yeah yeah, for sure a lot different conversation
1: well you know i I think i I imagine a country like china would look at the way we do things in the u.s and there would be a kind of a fear-based response to it too like you let people do what you let people riot and protest you know like like i I said earlier I'm, i'm you know half french And when you see the protests that are going on in Paris, and I've I've been there for some of them, I didn't participate, but I was like in the city. It looks like you're walking through a war zone. You know, things are on fire, burnt out. It's like in a country with so many people, especially where the government has so much more control over the population. Like, I think any any semblance of giving them the freedom to express disdain for the government or whatever would be uh, seen as a terrifying thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, that's I guess I guess enough about world politics. But uh, uh, let's go back. Yeah. <laughs> let's
1: leave it to absolutely. a couple of punk fans to talk about world politics. Yeah, <laughs> in it's rock podcast. Yeah,
0: it's pretty. It's pretty interesting that the the conversations. That's why I like to ask weird questions because you get very unique perspectives on the entire you know entire spectrum of the human experience, which is why i love doing this podcast so much but
1: yeah and i think it's it's smart of you to do it because i think it's the, the spectrum of the human experience that makes you a musician you know it, it all fuels yeah. the music and the music fuels everything else too it's a, a holistic thing right yeah i
0: mean if you just listen to the music of everybody and don't understand the backstories or like their ideology you kind of miss out on a lot of what that music's trying to tell you anyway because like you might just let it flow through you and like you're just listening to the beat or hearing the chorus and like yeah i can dance to this but it's like very good a uh, very good um example of this is on social media you know I, I saw i think it was tom morello posted about this that um some far right-wing guy was like you know because he posted like you know he's going to a a, a protest about this thing and some guy mm-hmm. some right-wing guy a conservative guy posted in the in the <laughs> comments below said Oh, I'm never listening to your music for taking this side, blah, 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 blah. He's like, Rage Against the Machine is bullshit, like all this stuff. And he's like, What machine did you think we are raging against? <laughs> and that was like literally his response to that. And like, Yeah. Like, what the? Have you not been listening to any of this music this whole time?
1: Yeah, they they have not hidden their uh their intentions from the from yeah. day one you know that, yeah. that's really funny yeah.
0: but it's just like i don't understand how you could be that like completely oblivious to a band like are you just literally not paying nirvana had a song uh he's the one who likes all our pretty songs he likes to sing along yeah, but he knows yeah. not what it means right like these mm-hmm. are things that they're saying to you like Stop being a fucking douchebag, listen to our lyrics and be on our side. Don't just like sit there and regurgitate our lyrics and think you're some badass somewhere. It's like, this is pointless. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that, that's kind of the funny thing, right? You, you have the people who actually care and the people who don't and just listen to it for, you know, whatever, for the music, yeah. for the lyrics to be a badass. And ultimately you can't control it. People are going to yeah. do their thing. and. It's, it's their interpretation too. Right. And so, unless you have someone who's incredibly hateful using your music to, you know, fuel them to go to a far right rally or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah. It's definitely, um, it it is interesting because as a musician, I think you want people to enjoy, I I want people to enjoy Sleeve, but I want them to enjoy it in their own ways. But yeah, certainly it's, it means a lot more when people actually care and actually look into, you know, why you're writing the things you're writing too. Right.
0: For sure all right question number five this one is actually one that i asked i've been asking a lot of people or every every guest for about a season and a half now what four musicians now if i ever ask this of like a another a person of another country it's probably going to be a a loss a little bit but what four musicians would you put on your personal mount rushmore either for being influential influential or for being your favorite so individual musicians
1: Mm, yeah um i would say this thing is probably this mount rushmore has likely changed a lot the number one that has stayed is actually funny enough he, my uncle his name is tim harris um he is the first person who introduced me to drums um he played in a bunch of bands um, in the 90s and early 2000s one of which um got pretty popular and did a couple world tours they're called Keepone. um they okay. toured with hellman they played with like bad brains and they toured with fugazi they were just kind of in that scene yeah um, he also played in war briefly but he, he's an incredible musician a wonderful thing and um as a child having a rock star in the family you know it was always something that really motivated and inspired me a lot and he's a tremendous guitarist and you know him introducing me to drums and introducing me to his drummer uh, ed trask who's a wonderful uh, wonderful artist uh, visual artist but also a tremendous drummer um, he also played he recorded a couple albums with the veil too uh, okay seeing him growing up was one of the most inspirational things for me seeing this big lanky dude playing incredible punk drums ripping his shirt (laughs) off he's just a great performer you know so i'd say both of them um tom york is up there too i just i've absolutely adored radiohead ever since i was a kid it was uh one of the early bands my dad introduced me to and it's i think the band that has stuck with me the most throughout the years yeah and um I don't know. I mean, I, you would have to put someone like John Bonham up there just for what he did for the genre. And you know, personally being kind of a bigger, more powerful drummer, he's someone that inspires me. But if I'm going to throw someone out of left field. I don't know his name. I, or I'm blanking on his name right now, at least, but, uh, I'm going to throw him up there anyways. Uh, have you heard of a band called Pile before P-I-L-E?
0: I don't think so. It sounds familiar, but I don't think, I don't think I've ever listened to him.
1: They've been around for a little while now, but they're kind of like an underground punk-ish band. They're, they're like okay. a punkier Radiohead, I would say, um, from Boston. Um, they're absolutely incredible, but their drummer was maybe my favorite drummer I've ever heard in my life. Okay. Just unbelievably just authentic, weird, powerful, great timing. You talk about a conductor. Um, the, the guy just tells a story every time he sits behind a drum kit. And that's he's awesome. just absolutely amazing. So whatever his name is, I would put him <laughs> on the uh, brush list. Yeah, The mystery man.
0: That's awesome. So I think, so as far as, I think I've asked probably 20 guests this question before, and not one of them is actually named a family member. So you're the first to do that. So that's, oh, nice. which is shocking because I feel like, most musicians would have been introduced to music in some way or playing music by a person in their family that either plays music or absolutely loves music. Uh, My dad was actually the one who played guitar and and loved classic rock. So that's how I got into it. But yeah, yeah, not one person said somebody in their own family, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, frankly, I would put my dad up there too. You know, he, he plays guitar a little bit and he sings in this French accent, which is adorable, but you know, like it was his love of music that really pushed me to get into music. And when I was a, 12 year old in my uh, room playing a drum set as loud as I fucking could. She and my mom had to be saints to just like let me do it and then encourage me when I got out like oh this sounded really good you know. Yeah. So you know he would have to go up there too for his you know accepting my my choice of a hobby turned passion than his yeah. um, actual music taste too that he introduced me to yeah.
0: yeah that's awesome yeah i have a two and a half year old son and I, i'm since 10 years or 10 months old he's been basically banging on drums of some different levels but he's got his own little set so he goes in there and plays i'm like honestly that's i don't awesome. care how loud you play it play it as loud as you absolutely want as terribly as you want at some point it'll start sounding awesome
1: yeah, well, he's lucky to have you. I, I think yeah. having a parent who recognizes the importance of music, especially playing music, it's just, it, it's there's nothing better. You know, I think part yeah. of being human, part of processing emotion, part of doing so many things comes back to, the ability to express yourself through an instrument, you know?
0: Yeah. I'm just glad it's not like a saxophone where like when you hit sour notes, it's absolutely horrible on your ears. Yeah. That's that's not great, but yeah, Uh I can handle drums. Drums have a specific set of sounds and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm good with all these.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if you get experimental enough, anything's rhythm, right? You know? Exactly.
0: Yep. Well, that's all I got for you. So the spotlight is off and we'll come back in just a few moments to stick a fork in this interview with some exciting news about what Julian and Sleeve have coming up in the near future. Obviously, we've already previewed this, the new album. So stick around and we'll, we'll you know basically talk about all that and more right after this. Running your own music career is incredibly difficult. Trying to get people to like, share, comment, listen, follow, it's all just overwhelming. Most musicians give up before they ever achieve success and that's the worst. If you're looking for a better way to grow your music career, head to diyrockcareer.com for some absolutely free training. It costs you nothing, and it could be the difference between hitting your goals and quitting your dream. Go to diyrockcareer.com today by clicking the link below this episode. Then I lost my way. Welcome back to the Power by Rock podcast. So, Julian, let's talk about what Sleeve has coming up in the months and, you know, obviously next year talking, teased about the, the new music. We've already got the EP we talked about, which is coming out tomorrow. And that's in the past for people. It'll be like a week in the past. I think something like that mm-hmm. when this episode airs, but make sure to check out the EP, but also you have other stuff coming up. So let's talk about what you guys also have coming up.
1: Yeah. So all these songs are about you. It's likely out now. It, it is definitely out now. Um, yeah. It's coming out tomorrow for us when we're recording this podcast. So I'm very excited to, uh, finally get some new music out there. I'm excited to see what people think. Um, But yeah, otherwise we have some tentative shows and tours in the uh, works right now, specifically a tour of Europe um, in the summer that I'm really looking forward to. We're working with some really great bands who are on um, engineer records to kind of plan a DIY tour of Europe. Um, But yeah, so April, I'll say tentatively April of 2024, LP2 will come out. Um, It's been in the works for a long time. We have some great singles some great music videos for it and uh we're going to be working with engineer records Sell the heart records and then a couple more labels we have a label in france uh called sleepy dog um a label in germany called gunner records and then a label oh, in yeah. brazil called fuck it all who we're going to be working with too pressing some vinyl so it's, it's going to be a really cool experience and i'm, I'm looking forward to those are some those big names to too so
0: like engineer gunner and, and sell the heart i mean they're all yeah. indie indie labels but they're well known across like, you know, the artists and, and, and kind of independent music fan bases, right? Like these are some mm-hmm. of the big names that if you're looking to be on an independent label somewhere, I would highly recommend all of those. I've never heard of Sleepy Absolutely. Dog, but I don't know any record labels in France. So that's the first time. Sleepy Dog
1: is a tiny, tiny record label in the north of France in a um, little town called Bourgogne-sur-Mer. It's, uh, it's, it's Absolutely tiny, but he's so nice. And I mean, the best thing about working with these labels, especially Engineer, who we've known for a long time, and Andy at Selva Heart is the exact same way. They're just incredibly kind, down-to-earth people, always willing to have a conversation. We text back and forth all the time. They, They just want the band to be successful. And, you know... Andy labels don't really get much out of the, out of these deals anymore, except, yeah. you know, just the, um, I think the fulfillment of knowing that a band that they like is finding success and doing the thing that they love. So yeah, yeah there is um, yeah,
0: make a little yeah. bit of tiny money and then help the band that they love to get to the next level. Yeah. yeah,
1: And as a band, it makes you want uh, to do more for people like that. You know, the hope is for them not only to break even, but to make a little money and you know, it just, yeah. it makes the uh, process really enjoyable for everyone involved.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously we've got an album, an EP, and a tour. Now, you also said you have a music video coming up for um, one of the oh. songs in ESCO, right? So yep, when In-S-Pro. is that actually going to come that, out? Do you know?
1: We haven't, uh, we haven't uh, decided on a date yet. It will likely be mid-November. So okay. depending on when this comes out, that could be the next big thing. I'm incredibly excited about it. Um, we're working with a artist that I mentioned earlier. Um, from Italy called Nespi. Uh, his Instagram handle, if anyone wants to check him out, is Nespi Five Euro. Um, incredibly talented person um, has done some really great work for other big bands, uh, Viagra Boys, if you've heard them before, Pile, uh, I mentioned yep. earlier, Deerhoof. But um, wonderful animator fell in love with Inescro, which was really flattering, and it just he, he did an absolutely amazing job on the music video. It's a very dark music video. I think it's darker than anything I would have ever kind of expected to release under his sleeve but you know i I think it's um an accurate representation of the song from his point of view and that's what i absolutely love about it you know he put his own interpretation and spin on it and it makes you feel things so i I hope you enjoy it
0: that's gonna be exciting i'm I'm very much looking forward to that i mean obviously when you work with bands like viagra boys who i I think it was josh om from from queens of stonia so that's like his new favorite band they're touring with them uh, or they did tour with them me and my friends actually mm-hmm. have conversations about Viagra Boys. Like, are these guys actually good? They're, they sound good, but then like some yeah, of the stuff I'm yeah. like not like don't like so much. But yeah, it's like one of those bands that like is intriguing. So it's it's always good when you're kind of mentioned in that breath. It's like they're not just your standard rock band. They're not going out there and doing the same shit that everybody else is doing. So they're doing no, they're doing they're something in like conversation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. That whole scene right now in Europe, the post-punk scene in Europe was amazing between them, yep. and Idols and Fontaine's DC, there's just so many killer bands coming out of Europe yeah. right now that are all kind of in that circle. So yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's a great time it's to funny be a music band.
0: When I had a conversation with Tim Kasher from Cursive, he mentioned Fontaine's DC as one of his favorite bands. So I was like, that's interesting. I haven't gotten into them. I'm yeah. like, I still can't really get my,
1: oh, my ear to
0: them, but yeah, it's an interesting. Whole Have thing, you listened yeah. to
1: their most recent album? Uh, <laughs> I uh, think so.
0: It was like 2021 it's or the something, one that's all
1: red yeah
0: so. 2021
1: 2022 um yeah yeah i absolutely love them too um they're they're in my i'd say like top 10 favorite bands at the moment um yeah. really really talented but yeah I, I feel like with so much music you have to hear it at the right
0: time you know i know they're, and they're I, I, I guarantee you if i would have heard like uh you know in rainbows by radiohead had not knowing anything about radiohead and just played that album through i've been like eh the first time right but then if you like listen to it 10 more times you're like oh this shit is amazing Because, like i love radiohead but i probably wouldn't have got through a radiohead album if i just like put it on spotify and like oh i heard of this band and i want to see what they sound like be like I don't think absolutely. We'll come back to that.
1: No. Yeah, 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 that's a funny thing. And with an album like in rainbows too, it changes every single time you listen to it. You know. Yeah. I, I I would say it's probably my favorite album, which is such a cop out, but it's just it's it's perfect in my mind. You know, like yeah, I think every song has been my favorite song at a certain point in my life. You know, and it, I, to me that's a sign of a killer record where you know you yeah. can't pick one favorite song and it just kind of shifts all the time and
0: there's takes definitely something life, about. Meaning the Orwellian way of life that Tom York talks about, you know, how the government controls everything you're doing and how depressing everything is. That's like, God damn, this is like horrible. Like this is a miserable experience. Uh-huh. But at the same time you're like, this is maybe hopeful. I'm not really sure. <laughs> it's just like this yeah genetic yeah. like disposition to being, you know, happy or something. But yeah.
1: Well that that's the that's the beauty of his art in particular. He can make you feel yeah. despair and love and hope and so many things at once. And that's yeah. I think a wonderful thing to strive for and to me obviously i'm not comparing this to radiohead or tom york but in is kind of doing that a little bit in my opinion you know it's yeah. it is a song that is dark and despairing but there is a certain element of like resilience and hope involved in it too so that's or yeah. that's the goal at least we'll see if people actually pick up on that <laughs>
0: they'll be like well this fucking sucks no I'm just kidding
1: <laughs> yeah that's way more likely <laughs>
0: Awesome. So I'll put uh you know links below this show, like in the the notes and everything, to like all your music, anything you got coming up, and obviously you know social media and stuff like that. So definitely go check out Sleeve and everything there. But the last question I have before we sign off today is, what new album, song, artist would you recommend to people before we go? So what new piece of music, one just like one Mm. thing that you would recommend to people today?
1: uh there is a brazilian artist that my friend introduced me to recently and you have to be in the right mood i i had tried listening to it two or three times previously but it got me finally um but there's this old artist from uh, brazil 1970s his name's chico buarque b-u-a-r-q-e and let me give you the name of his uh, album it it is absolutely tremendous highly emotive really interesting dark um, experimental. It's called Construcao, um, C-O-N-S-T-R-U-C-A-O. Okay. Absolutely amazing, it, especially even as a punk fan, you know, as someone who listens to like heavier music, there is like a lot of kind of like, in my opinion, at least, punky, dark, emotive, heavy elements to it that are really, really cool. So it's well worth a listen for something a little weird and off the deep path.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So you say it came out in the 70s?
1: Yeah, I think it was like 1971 or something like that. It's all brand- in like commentary out on yeah, like Brazilian Brand
0: new stuff. sound from the 1970s. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I feel, well, like, yeah, I feel it's like it's so. that moment from uh, Back to the Future when Marvin Berry calls Chuck Berry. He's like, you know that new sound you're listen- looking for? Listen to this. And he's
1: like. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, and that's kind of what's funny about it. You know, like it is so old, but to me it's, it's very new. Like i I've Yeah, and
0: most people like, aren't going to know any Brazilian artists either. So, yeah.
1: For sure. And, most, and people who have a much better ear than they probably have, but you know, like, I, I think it's well worth the list, especially if you're not used to listening to music outside of the U S and the UK. Right. There's yeah. some incredible artists from around the world that I, I've been for a long time. Actually, I'll give you a different one for the post hardcore fans. Um, there's a French band and I'm saying this because I've, Always wanted to hear good French rock bands and they've yeah. all been fine, but none of them have really got me, but there's one that I absolutely adore now called Birds in Row. Have you heard of them before? No. Yeah. Three piece post hardcore band. They have a, an album called Gris Klein, G-R-I-S, uh, K-L-E-I-N. It is the heaviest album I've ever heard. One of the best drummers I've ever heard in my life. And it's so fucking good. It is the absolutely- name is Bert,
0: Bird, what did you say it was? Birds in oh, Row. Okay.
1: They're kind of like the French Let Dispute. If you listen to Lettuce Dispute at all, Touche okay. and more they they're kind yeah, of in yeah. that vein, but they're fucking okay. awesome. They're really
0: cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check it out because every time somebody recommends something, I'll always go and listen to, you know, a couple songs at the, at the very least just to kind of get an idea of what's, what's going on. But then I'll obviously put a link to the, the band in the, the show notes as well. So if you're interested oh, cool. in getting Julian's like uh, takes on fresh new music yeah. or from, you know, 1970s Brazil. You can go uh, to the show notes and check those out as well.
1: <laughs> man, it's going to be the weirdest fucking set of links ever. Modern <laughs> French post-hardcore band and an old Brazilian artist. Yeah, enjoy. I've given yeah. some strange answers on this interview, and I'm proud of them.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I do want to appreciate you. Uh, you know, I appreciate you for spending the time with me today and, and having this conversation because, you know, like I said, this is this is why I like talking to people is because the the music is one part of the entire life of the artist, right? It's like this is how you. Take all that collective experience and you put it into music, and it's it's those conversations that make it even more interesting to me. So I truly appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, and thank you. I mean, you you ask really wonderful questions, and it's always refreshing to go into depth about other aspects of life because you know it all ties in together. So I I really appreciate you. Uh, Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, obviously go check out the show notes below to get the social media, the music, the new videos, the new album. Buy, buy some stuff from this band so that way they obviously can go and tour more places and hit those big roads in Europe where they're you know headlining and all that cool stuff. But again, you know just go, go below this episode and, and click all those links to go check out all that stuff and obviously Julian's recommendations. But also remember that the Powered by Rock is powered by our listeners. To show us some support, please be sure to subscribe and share the podcast on social media. You can also check out uh, or click below to make a donation to the podcast to help us keep making some awesome episodes with awesome guests like Sleeve and Julian here. You can see the full video interview on YouTube or Spotify as well. If you want to check out some of our awesome content, our merch, or our gear, at thepoweredbyrock.com to, to see what's good there. That's our show for today. I'll see you soon for the next episode. Until then, rock on.
1: Okay.